turn into our Bibles tonight. We're going to be back in the book of 2 Kings here this evening. And we're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 2. We're going to focus on verses 9 to 11 tonight, but mainly on verse, mainly on verse 11. And I want to talk to us about uh, the, um, the fiery chariot uh, and the fiery horses and uh, see how far we make it here this evening. 2 Kings chapter 2. Uh, as we take a look in verses 9 to 11 here tonight, I entitled this message, That You May Know. That You May Know. That You May Know. 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 9 to 11. Uh, I believe all of us uh, want to make sure that we are in the will of God. We definitely want to make sure that we are making the right decisions in life uh, in following the right path that God has laid out before us. Uh, and I believe here tonight one of the things that we can see is Elisha, of course, looking for the very same thing. Uh, he's asked for the double portion. We know that he, uh, of course, has been called by God uh, to, uh, to follow him, and, uh, and he is doing a good job so far. And all the temptations uh, that he has, or tests, if you want to call it that, that he has faced already, he has forsaken all those things, uh, and he is continuing his walk uh, with Elijah to, uh, to see what God has in store for him. Uh, and as we get to verses 9 to 11, we're going to see a few extra things here tonight that I want to focus on uh, that maybe perhaps be a blessing to us as we're thinking about uh, our life as we follow God and His will that He has for our life and, uh, and just kind of really just kind of point out um, maybe what we can see uh, inside the chariot. Maybe we can see uh, uh, what, what, does, what can we see that the chariot could represent. Uh, you know, because I think the chariot. We know we understand that Elijah he went up into he went up into heaven uh, in the chariot. However, I think that the uh, I think that the chariot was not just for Elijah, but it was also for Elisha. And the reason why it was for Elisha uh, is because uh, that is something that uh, Elijah actually told him here in the scripture. And let's take a look at it there in verse nine to eleven. Let's read it. The Bible says it came to pass when they were going over. That Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou, and he said, This is Elijah speaking, he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken, uh, taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And so as these two men were walking, uh, Elijah and nor Elisha had really any idea how God was going to take Elijah out of the picture. Uh, they had no idea what was going to happen. They had no idea what was going to take place. Uh, you know, and so they were just kind of walking along and talking. And as Elisha asked uh, for this double portion, you know, Elijah pretty much, you know, uh, let him know, listen, uh, this double portion isn't up to me. I'm not the one that decides that. That'll be God. He said, but I'll tell you this. He said, if you see me, if you see me whenever, whenever I'm taken out of here, if you see me, then I guess that means God says, yes, you can have that double portion. But if you don't, then I guess the answer is no. Uh, and so what we see here is Elisha, of course, he's following God and he's asking for that double portion. Uh, but as he's asking for this double portion, he wants to make sure, you know, that, uh, that, uh, that he has uh, God's blessing as he continues to move forward in this path. He wants, he wants the double portion. He wants to, he wants to be the, uh, uh, the, the man of God that God desires for him to be. And he wants to fulfill it as much as he possibly can. And so he's uh, looking for God to have his hand on him, looking for God to have his hand on his ministry, looking for God's hand of blessing upon his life and all that he has. Uh, he is uh, looking to, in essence, to inherit, uh, as they did in the Old Testament, as uh, you know, the firstborn would do, uh, to inherit this double portion, this double blessing from Elijah. And, and, Eli and Elijah says, well, I'll tell you what, if you see me when God takes me, 
then, I re- then the answer will be yes. But if you don't see me, then the answer is no. And what I like about this, of course, is as he was wanting to follow God's path and as he was asking for God's blessing upon his ministry, we can see without a shadow of a doubt, of course, in this very text, uh, that the Lord was definitely saying, oh, yes, this is what I desire for you in your life. Yes, this is what I want. Yes, this is the path I want you to follow. And yes, I'm going to have my hand upon you. And yes, I'm going to have your hand, my hand upon your ministry. Now, he wanted him to know without a shadow of a doubt. And I believe that now, even though we see Elijah... Who has been, uh, who has been taken by this chariot? I mean, they had no idea how God was going to do it. I mean, you know, it could have been that God just maybe, perhaps we've seen a, a couple of other places where maybe even like Philip, where God just snatched him away and then dropped him off somewhere else where he was with the Philippian eunuch and, and was able to lead him to the Lord. It could have been something like that, but no, it wasn't like that at all. God, uh, God in, in a tremendous, showy, flashy way wanted Elisha to know that I got my hand of blessing upon you. I got my hand of blessing upon on your direction, I got my hand of blessing upon your ministry, and I will endue, I will endue you with power, and I don't want you to make any mistake about it that I'm going to be with you and present with you along the way. And I believe that's, and, I, and so I believe there wasn't uh, Elijah being. Uh, uh, carried away in the chariot wasn't just for Elijah. I believe it was for Elisha to know because Elisha asked for the double portion. He wanted the double portion of Elijah's spirit and at the very same time, at the very same time, we see that Elijah says, well, I'm not exactly sure what God's decision is gonna be, but I'll tell you this, if you see me get taken away, then you'll know without a shadow of doubt that this is what God desires for your life. And you know what happened? That's exactly what took place. It wasn't, uh, he was standing there and uh, it wasn't that, uh, God could have just said, you know what? Boom, he's gone just right there and, and, Eli- and Elisha would have never even known what had happened. Uh, and of course, he would have received his answer and that answer would have been no, but that wasn't God's, that wasn't God's answer. He wanted him to know, I'm gonna bless you, I'm gonna help you and, and I'm gonna be there with you. And so this wasn't, this wasn't just for Elijah. I mean, you th- I mean, just think about it for a minute though. Imagine you're walking down you're, you've crossed over the Jordan, you're walking through the woods and you and a friend are just talking perhaps, you know, and you know that God's going to take you out, but you don't know exactly how that's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, as you're walking and as you're talking together, all of a sudden, you see this big storm that starts to brew and it's like this whirlwind, almost like this big tornado. And in the midst of it all, you see this burnt, this burning fiery chariot just come rushing your way. And it's and not only is a chariot on fire, but you see that the horses are on fire and it comes right your way picks Elijah up and there he's gone what a sight that had to have been how amazing is that now Elijah was there man he got the ride of his life I mean can you imagine riding in a fiery chariot like that I got to thinking about this and I thought you know what I've rode a lot of roller coasters in my life but there ain't nothing that would compare to something like that I remember whenever we were young, Amy and I, we were young, we were kids, and uh, well, we were married, but we were just young kids, and so we had drove up to uh, Cedar Point. Everybody ever been there? And we drove up to Cedar Point, and we went up there to the roller coasters that they have up there at Cedar Point, and they had this one. Of course, they got a bigger one, better one now. You know, it's a top thrill dragster. And you would, yeah, it took us, we had to wait three hours to get on that thing, and it took like, I think the ride was like 25 seconds. 
And, and we waited like three hours to get on that thing. And we're waiting in line, waiting in line, waiting in line. Well, anyways, you get on that thing and they, 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 they don't even have a shoulder harness because you go so fast when you put one on you. And you, you sit in that thing, you got, a, uh, you got a little lap bar that comes down. You sit on top, you just sits down on your waist. And so we're sitting there in this thing and I'm looking around, I'm thinking, man, you think it's high as we're going? Because it's like, I think it's 410 feet or something like that. And you're sitting there and it's just like a drag car, you know, and you got the lights, they got it all set up. And it goes down, uh, and man, it, man, it kicks you off. Zero to 123 mile an hour, three seconds. Now that was quick. That's booking it. Man, it shoots us off, and we go straight up 90 degrees, 410 feet, spiraling just like this. Get all the way up there to the top, and when you get up there to the top, depending on the weight ratio of of the of everybody that's in the in the cart, it may just fall right back down, and they have to push you right back out. We've seen that happen several times. That's one of the reasons why it took us so long to get on it. But we got up there, and we crest. We got on top of that. We crest the top of that hill, and we were just a putt putting alone. And I'm standing here. We're standing here. I'm sitting here in the seat, looking around, 400 and some feet up in the air, no shoulder harness, just a little lap belt, and I'm just like, wow. And then next, we, then we go over to the other side. We tip down 90 degrees, just like a screwdriver. You go on down like a drill. Go on down and we come right to the end. The whole ride lasts like 25 seconds. Zero to 123 mile an hour in three seconds. I mean, that was the fastest ride I'd ever been on in my life. And I guarantee you, that was nothing compared to what it was like being whisked away in a fiery chariot with fiery horses in a whirlwind up into the heavens. I guarantee you that was a ride. Elijah never forget. I guarantee you he's probably still talking about it. He's up in heaven tonight. He's up in heaven. I guarantee you right now when people talk to him, man, what was it like to ride up into the, uh, up into the heavens in that fiery chariot and with those fiery horses? Oh, man, let me, t he's got a story that nobody else can tell. But it wasn't just for him, though. It was also, I think, for, for Elisha. God had a plan for Elisha and what God wanted Elisha to understand is that he had his hand of blessing upon him and that which he asked for, that which he was desiring in his life, that God was going to honor that. And I want us to learn some things that we can see because I believe all of us, we want to make sure we're uh, walking in the right path, we want to make sure we're going in the right direction. And so what are some things that we can maybe perhaps see? What are some truths that we can see you know, through the chariot and the horses and all those different kind of stuff? And these are some things that came to my mind I'll share with you tonight. The very first truth is let's look at the fiery chariot. The fiery chariot. Now, a chariot we can see, and not just in the scriptures, but just a chariot in general, can be used for a number of different things. I mean, it was used for travel. Uh, it was used for uh, special events and celebrations and even different types of games. It was also used in war and, uh, and in combat. And so I think a fiery chariot is a great example, really, of what Elisha's ministry would be like in several ways. Number one, as we look at the fiery chariot, I think it would, number one, symbolize, uh, the fiery chariot would symbolize a, place of, uh, symbolize a place of peace. Now, I know that Elisha wasn't the one that sat in the chariot. It was Elijah, but think about this. Elijah sat in the chariot as he was whisked away, a fiery chariot as he was whisked away up in the heavens and never got burned. Never got burned. It was a fire that never burned. The, the chariot was on fire, but the chariot didn't burn. Elijah got inside the chariot. It, the chariot was on fire, and Elijah never burned. I just thought that was in, just thought that was interesting. 
as we were sitting here, as we're sitting here thinking about this great chariot and this huge honor that that whisked Elijah way up into the heavens, that he sat on this chariot and and this chariot it, it was a it was a, it was a it was a place that did not burn. But I just thought it was interesting as we think about Elisha's ministry because listen, because what does as I said, the chariot has several different meanings. I mean, we can we understand it was used for travel. We understand chariots were used for special events and celebrations and things like that. But it was also a way to to get him around. He, I mean, because Elisha, what was one of his main goals and missions? Was to be a prophet of God, right? To be a messenger of peace. To be a messenger of peace. To do what he could to to uh, uh, to tell people about God and keep everybody uh, to keep everybody away from the uh, the sins of the world and the sins of uh, the, the demonic uh, idolatrous practices that the people of the of the nation were practicing and to instruct them in the ways of God. He had a message of peace and 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 I believe that's what the charity represents as well as a as a message of peace and to get the message out speedily and to get the message out quickly and so we can see that he uh, that Elisha had a message to give and I think that it was a message of peace and a message of peace given in a fiery way a message of this ministry a message of love and, and hope and uh, and blessing and that he would travel around all the places that God would have him to go to deliver the message of peace we think about the places that he went, so many different ones, but even Jericho, when we talked about Sunday and the barrenness of the water, uh, the barrenness of the land and the water that was no good, we think about the widow's oil, how rest- restored the Shumanite's uh, uh, son back to life, the healing of Naaman of his leprosy. I mean, all these different things. And so as and so as he traveled around, he had a, a message of peace. He had this this message that he wanted people to listen. This is who God is, and this is what God can do, and stay away from the sin, and allow God to move and work in your heart and your life. And so the chariot, of course. Said, a, a tremendous message of peace, but also what else would it be? Well, it would be a, it would be a place of position. Uh, the chariot, uh, not only did it just house folks that, uh, that people stood in there that went to combat and war, but many of them were trained in, in different ways. And oftentimes generals and kings, they also rode uh, in these chariots. And so, and so this chariot would be an honorable position. Now, it would be a place, you know, we think about the king's chariot. The king's chariot would be, uh, was, was oftentimes decorated a whole lot different than any other chariots would be decorated. You would know the king's chariot if it marched out there on the battlefield because it belonged to the king, just like today in other countries. Listen, when the president rolls through and he comes in, what's the name of that car? What do they call that thing? The beast or something like that? But anyways, when it rolls through, when it rolls through, I mean, it's got all different kinds of safety features. It's got all kinds of stuff all over. It is unlike any vehicle that is out here today. It is unlike any vehicle that is out here today. Just like the chariot was right here. This chariot was unlike anything that anybody had ever seen. You know what? Now, one thing I think that, that God wanted Elijah to see, as he whisked Elijah up into the heavens, I think what he wanted Elijah to understand is that, listen, this, uh, not only do you have this message of peace, not only do I desire for you to travel around and, and, and to deliver the message of blessing and the, uh, and, and the message of, uh, of following God and obeying the Lord, but I also want you to see that this is a position that I desire for you to have. And this chariot that you see is unlike any chariot that you've ever seen before. Listen, up to this point, I think this is the first time we've ever seen a fiery chariot, perhaps, 
in the scriptures, is it not? It is the only time I believe that we see uh, where a fiery chariot actually came down and whisked somebody up uh, uh, into the heavens. Uh, and so the only time that it ever happened, you know what it just shows me? That listen, I think God wants Elisha to understand that listen, yes, I do want you to follow me. It's almost like God saying, yes, this is my plan for you. Yes, this is what I want you to do. And in his, in his fiery, showy, flashy way as possible by whisking away Elijah up into the heavens, not just for Elijah to have a good time, but for the purpose of showing Elisha that yes, I am with you. Yes, I'm going to strengthen you. Yes, I'm going to empower you. Yes, I'm going to be with your ministry. And so I think this uh, I think this chariot represented a number of different things as it was on fire. Uh, I think it represented and showed how God would carry him, how God would position him, how God would bless him, and, and how he had a message to give and a speedy message to get out to everyone. Uh, and, and, and so I can see here this position that God shows us that I think that, that he can have, this position of prophet, my voice and my man at this time, at this hour, a chariot that is on fire that is not consumed. In essence, a way of showing him uh, that listen there are things out here in this world that you're going to face some fiery trials and go through some difficult things but but I am here with you and I will fight for you and when you go through these difficult things in the position that you have don't forget that the God of heaven the God of heaven can uh, make this fire that you are standing in not be uh, uh, not be um uh, not hurt you just like he did with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as they were cast into the flame of fire. And God took that very moment, the Lord Jesus, in essence, an incarnate Christ walking around uh, there in the fiery flame. And the Bible says that Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego walked out and uh, didn't even have the smell of smoke on their clothes. The magnificence and the beauty of this chariot. Can you imagine uh, as it came through, what it looked like. We understand it was on fire. It was a fiery chariot, but nobody had ever seen anything like it. And I believe that was something that maybe perhaps that God wanted Elisha to know that, listen, yes, I want to bless. Yes, I'm going to empower. Yes, I'm going to strengthen. Yes, this is my will for you. But understand, you follow me. Man, I got so much greater for you in your life. There is no other chariot out there that can compare to the chariots of God. There is no other chariot out here in this world that can compare, that can compare to the, the glory and the majesty and the power and, and, and all these things that God has prepared as the Bible says that it has not even entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. Nobody has ever seen a fiery chariot whatsoever but then God brings one down from heaven and whisks Elijah away and I think he wanted Elisha to see wanted Elisha to see and understand that yes I can help you yes I'll be with you yes I'll empower you yes I want to honor you yes I want to bless you and if you follow me, understand there's nothing that this world can possibly give. There's nothing that this world can possibly give. There's nothing that this world can possibly come up with that could be even come close to what God would have to offer. And so we see not only the chariot as a message of peace and a message of position and a place of position, but I think we also see it as a place of protection. You know, usually the chariot would usually come up about so high uh, on the person that was inside. Many of them, of course, built differently. Uh, but it would come up, there would be walls that would come around the front of the side, uh, around the waist or a little bit higher. It would provide protection against the enemy, protection against arrows and protection against other weapons that sought to, uh, to hurt them or destroy them. But there is definitely no greater protection, I dare say, there is no greater protection than being in the chariot of God. No better place to be than in the chariot of peace and in the chariot of protection. Uh, I think this is a good picture. Uh, 
picture, I believe, of how uh, God would show Elijah that he was able to protect him from the onslaughts of the enemy. Uh, and the, in Elisha's ministry, you know, I understand we look through his ministry and you read through you read through the book of 2 Kings, you can see and understand that his ministry was not all sunshine and rainbows. There were some things, that very difficult things that he had to face and there were very serious situations. I mean, there were kings that threatened his life. He had friends, even Gehazi, that lied to him and betrayed him uh, and sought the world. And I mean, there was all different types of things that Elijah had to go through in his life. And I believe this, this chariot would be a place where he could see, listen, you look at this chariot, you see how I carried uh, Elijah, uh, Elijah way up into the heavens. I can carry you as well. I can help you. I can provide for you. I can do for you what the world cannot do. I can, I can, I can give you glory. I can give you honor. I can give you all these different things. The Bible shows us here in the text, there in verse, there in verse 9, there in verse 10, he said, you asked a hard thing, but if you see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. Now I believe it's very, uh, very obvious and very evident that it was God's will uh, that Elisha see. We'll take a look at the next truth, and we see the fiery horses. Now we see the fiery chariot, but now we see the fiery horses. Of course, no one's ever seen a fiery horse before. Horses in the scripture, or even in, mili even in the uh, military in general, especially back in the um, earlier days, was uh, a picture of military strength. It was often said that if you didn't have horses or didn't have a cavalry, more than likely you probably wouldn't win on the battlefield. Uh, and so uh, having horses and having a cavalry was something uh, that definitely gave you an advantage. It was can be even be a, pivot, a pivotal thing there for you to have in military combat. And so a fiery horse, I think, would represent a good picture of Elisha's ministry in several ways. And number one, I think it would represent power because that is what a horse represents. A horse represents power. And I think this we would definitely see that as Elisha saw uh, the horses that were pulling the chariot, the horses that were pulling the chariot, they were pulling it in power. Uh, and so we can see that, listen, if we have God on our side, as, a, as, a, as the scripture says, if God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? And so I think he wanted Elisha to know that as you went out into your ministry and you went out into the battlefields and all the other places that you went, that I will fulfill your ministry with power. I will endue you with power because without God, and just like us, he could do nothing and neither can we. He would not be able to heal. He would not be able to raise folks from the dead. Uh, he would not be able to do none of the things that he did. But his ministry... Uh, would be uh, surrounded with difficulties and he would have some things that he would need God's help with, of course. I was thinking about uh, in 2 Kings chapter 6. We're just a couple, just a little bit away from it. Let's just flip over and look at it real quick here tonight. In 2 Kings chapter 6, hold your place there. 2 Kings chapter 6, notice, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but you, under, you know the story. We see that Ben-Hadad is coming of Syria, is coming after, coming after Elisha. And as he's coming after Elisha, the Bible shows us from verses 13 to 17, we see that he is surrounded. He's surrounded. He has nowhere to go. He has uh, no really position to take because the whole city is surrounded by the army of Syria. And so his servant comes up to him and he says, so Elisha, what are we going to do? What's going to happen? Where are we going to go? How are we going to get out of this mess? Because every, every way that he could have gone was, was uh, blocked by 
Syria by Ben-Hadad. But you notice down, you get to verse 17, and God shows Elisha something that he showed him in the very first part of his ministry. And what was it that Elisha, what was it that God showed him? And let's take a look at it. Elijah, Elisha, for the second time, the Bible says Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes, talking about his servant's eyes, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of what? Fire, full of chariots of fire. Here yet again we see God demonstrating to Elisha, just as he did in the very first part of his ministry. I imagine whenever Elisha probably looked up and he saw the mountains when he was surrounded by this great army that was, uh, that was there for the intent to destroy his life. I imagine as in the midst of all of that, and, and he, as he was praying, he said, Lord, he says, uh, open up my servant's eyes so he can in essence see the same thing that I see. And so he opened up, the, the Bible says that God opened up his servant's eyes and whenever they looked, the Bible says the whole mountain was full, round about with fiery horses and fiery chariots. The second time in scripture, I believe that we see the fiery horses and the fiery chariots. And I believe it may be uh, perhaps the last time that we see that. What I think is interesting is I imagine as he was surrounded in his life, and listen, sometimes we feel surrounded too, and we feel like everything's caving in on us, and we begin to wonder, am I going in the right direction? Am I following God's path? And, you know, I, I, was, trying to do, I was trying to do right. I was trying to live right. I felt like I'm trying to follow God, but, you know, here I am. I'm looking around, and I feel like I'm surrounded on every side uh, by all this, by, by the army. I feel like I'm surrounded in essence by evil. I'm surrounded by the devil. What am I supposed to do? And I imagine God sends this gentle reminder to him. You remember the day that I called you, I said I'd be with you. You remember the day that I called you, I said I would strengthen you and empower you. And you asked, and you asked for the double portion of Elijah's spirit. And I showed you in the most flashy, showy way that I possibly could by sending fiery horses and sending fiery chariots to come and pick Elijah up to let you know that I'm here with you and I'm going to fight for you and I'm going to uh, and I'm going to uh, and I'm going to battle for you. Even in, uh, and I got this, I got a message I want you to deliver, but I also want you to know that I can provide. I can. Provide I can protect, I can give you the power that you need, I can do all these things that you need in your life. And so Elisha just stood there in essence and said, Lord, would you please open up his eyes so he can see the same thing that I see. What a blessing. What a blessing. And listen, I'm telling you, when we get in these dark moments in our life and we begin to wonder if we're following God and things don't make sense and we think to ourselves, well, if I was following God, maybe I wouldn't be surrounded like this. Well, if I was on the right path, maybe I wouldn't be facing so much adversity. Or maybe if I was on the right path, you know, I, uh, people wouldn't be, I wouldn't have all these people coming to seek my life and take it away. No, he was doing exactly what he needed to do. He was just, in, he was just being attacked by the devil. He was being attacked by the world. And even in, in, in the midst of it all, God was just saying, listen, just like I told you in the beginning, I am here for you. I'm fighting for you. Don't you worry about all that stuff you see down there. You just keep looking up to the hills because what the Bible says in the book of Psalms look up to the hills from whence cometh my help. And so there he goes. He looks up into the mountains and he sees the hills and, and all the fiery horses and all the fiery chariots displaced all around him. Horses represent power and strength. And we're going to finish with this one. The horse represents provision. I imagine in sometimes in Elisha's life may have wondered, maybe just like we, 
how's this going to work out and how's this going to happen? Had it not been for God that had provided all the things and done all the things that God did, Elisha would have never been able to do anything. I think the horse represents provision and provisions of life. And, of course, being in the will of God is definitely a necessity. But uh, I think one of the things he had to do is he had to learn to be a man that walked by faith and, uh, and not by sight. The Bible says in Psalm 24, verse 1, the Bible says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein, and I tell you what, sometimes, you know, God, we're in a place, no matter what you do to serve God, just in your Christian life in general, we're in a place where we have to understand that we are in solely dependence upon God because the world belongs to Him and everything in it belongs to Him. The world belongs to God and everything in it belongs to God. And so if God's directing us on a certain path, then how can, and we begin to wonder, how is God going to provide? Listen, you're talking to the richest man that there is. How, how is this going to work? How is this going to happen? You know, how are we going to listen? If you're walking in God's will and that's God's desire for that to happen, the earth is his and the fullness thereof and everything, everybody that lives and dwells therein, it all belongs to God. And so listen, we can see that there were times in, in his ministry as he went to the widow's house and went to this place and he went to this place and uh, this place, they didn't have no, they, she didn't have no oil, she'd have nothing to eat. He went over here and this, uh, you know, I mean, he, he went to all different kinds of places where people were hurting, where people were suffering, where things were not looking good. And the only way that he would have made it or anybody else would have made it had God intervened and that's it. And he had to learn to put his faith and trust in God. But there was one moment, maybe perhaps, one moment maybe perhaps we can see here maybe in the scriptures where maybe he kind of got it wrong. And I don't want to harp on it too much, but I just want us to see it. I think uh, it'll help us maybe this evening, uh, to understand uh, that we need God in every aspect of life. And, and if we're not careful, uh, we can definitely get ourselves in a place where we try to do something on our own and it don't work. Let's take a look at 2 Kings chapter 4. And let's look at verses 29 to 32, and we'll, we'll stop with this. 2 Kings chapter 4, let's look at verses 29 to 32. And the Bible says, then said, uh, then said, uh, then he said to Gehazi, the he there is Elisha. Then he said to Gehazi, gird up thy loins and take my staff. See, he gave his staff to somebody else. He said, take my staff. He didn't go himself. He said, take my staff in thine hand and go thy way. If thou meet any man, salute him not. And if thou salute thee, answer him not again. And lay my staff upon the face of the child, because this woman's child had died. And so it says, you go here, you take, you go in my stead, you take my staff, you go the way you need to go. He says, if anybody tries to stop you, anybody tries to switch you, anybody says, hey, don't you worry. You just keep going. You get there as quickly as you can, and you lay my staff on the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And he arose and he followed her. So the mother and Gehazi went running down there to her son who had passed away. And Gehazi gets up in there in verse 31. And the Bible says, and Gehazi passed on before them. He laid the staff upon the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Wherefore, he went again to meet him and told him, saying, the child is not awake. And why did the miracle not work? Why didn't the miracle work? Well, I think sometimes in life we got to see, see, God didn't call Gehazi to do this. This was something that God called Elisha to do. And Elisha passed his staff off to Gehazi. But God wasn't wanting to use Gehazi in that way. 
And I think that what God needed Elisha to understand is, listen, I, you, you asked me to give you a double portion. Why are you taking it? Why are you passing it off to somebody else? You asked me to give you the double portion. You asked me to help you in this. You asked me to do this for you and to work, and to work with you through this. You didn't go. For whatever reason, you didn't go. You passed it off to somebody else. Gehazal went down there. He did what you told him to do, but he wasn't able to do it. And I think Elijah began to learn well quick because when Elisha finally went down there, the Bible says he laid upon him and um, his body began to warm up and, his, and the breath of life came back into him and the child came back. But I think Elisha learned in his ministry too that, listen, I'm praying and asking for God to help me to do this. I'm praying and asking for God to bless me in this. Uh, listen, if, God, if, you're, if we're going to pray God, if we're going to pray and ask God for it, uh, listen, let's, let's fulfill that which God's called us to do and not try to pass it off on somebody else to do it, but do what God's called us to do. And so, we're going to stop with that tonight. There's many other things that I can get into this evening, but for sake of time, we won't. But just as we seek the will of God in our life, sometimes I believe, hearts, no doubt about that, sometimes it comes out in a very showy way, and sometimes... Sometimes it's more subtle. But I believe that every person in here tonight has a desire to walk in the will of God and do that which God desires for them to do. And so what we want to do is kind of go back to what we preached on Sunday night is to make sure we got a clear vision that we're not just looking from afar, that we're actually engaged, that we're crossing over the Jordan, that we're walking with God. Because listen, how can we know what God desires for our life if we're not walking with Him? If we're not willing to cross over the Jordan and we're not willing to rip our garments and we're not willing to say, yes, God, I'll put on the mantle. If we're not willing to do any of that, then, um, then how are we going to know that which God wants us to do? How can two walk together, as the Bible says in the book of Amos, except they be agreed? Making sure that we're walking with God is the key to making sure we know the will of God. Let's pray tonight. Father, we thank you so much. Lord, for your goodness, Lord, I pray that you'd help us tonight as we get ready to leave. Lord, we pray for your blessings, Lord, in every life here tonight. Uh, Lord, I know that we all have different things going on in our life. Lord, folks are searching and looking for uh, different things. God, we're all on a journey. Lord, we're all on a, all on a path, God, to serve you. And I pray that you'd help us in this path that we're on. Sometimes it may be that, um, that we're like the servant of Elisha and, and, uh, and we just can't see. And uh, we just need somebody to help us to see. I'm thankful for folks that have been in my ministry and been in my life that have come along by my side when I've had questions and, or began to, and, and began to wonder about things. And I'm thankful that I've had people, counselors, and, uh, and just godly folks, men and women alike, who have been able to come along by my side and help me to see, and help me to see what I couldn't have seen before. And Lord, I pray maybe it could be somebody's like that here tonight. We're just we're looking and we're searching when we can't see, but... But, God, we want to know. Lord, I pray that you just use this message tonight, uh, Lord, to help our hearts to see. Uh, Lord, whether or not it's in a, a, a showy, fiery way, or, Lord, whether you're just dealing in our hearts uh, privately about something. But, God, I pray that every person that seeks your face and your will for the life, that, God, that you would show it to them, reveal it to them, but help them to see that uh, in order to understand, uh, they need to be walking with you. Lord, I pray that you'd bless the night. And uh, Lord, you keep us safe as we leave. We love you and thank you for all that you're doing. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.